You guys ready? You guys awake? All right. We got a lot to cover. We got a lot of time. So get ready. Now, my, my plan is to have you guys out of here at 1230. So, ah. Well, as you are well aware, I think we are we're talking about Kingdom Family this morning. And we're starting a new series called From Milk to Meat. And really, the idea of this is we are going deeper. We're going kind of into that maturity side of things, that deeper level. Uh, a lot of times, we, we just we like the milk. It's a lot easier. You don't have to chew. You just swallow. We're going to have to chew a little bit. But that's good. It'll be a good thing. And uh, so Kingdom Family is the, is the title this morning. And, and this is something God, God was sh- he's just been showing me over this past week. And I thought I had it all figured out by Tuesday. And then he changed it on me. And I was like, okay, Thursday, I've got it. Like, we're ready to go. And then he changed it on me again. And so Friday came around. I was like, God, please don't change it again. <laughs> he didn't change it again. So um, this is still new and fresh in my head. There's just a lot of things. I know as we talk about this, this isn't something that uh, it's a new thing. It's, it's not something that we're pulling from the past or that, uh, that other churches have been talking about, although my guess is, and I don't know, but I know God's doing something in this season, and, and my guess is that it is, is being talked about now in other churches as it's on God's heart. But this is what I believe truly is the is this season for us, that, that we have to understand this and, and grasp this concept of kingdom family if we're going to move forward with the things that God wants to do in this season. And so my heart this morning is that I will be able to relay the things that God has put on my heart for you guys. So Lord, help me (laughs) to just release, Lord, what it is that you have this morning for this church. Lord, it's not my words. It's your Holy Spirit that's going to move on the hearts of people this morning. And so, Lord, I just pray that this release will come from you. Uh, Lord, that it will be so clear. Uh, Lord, bring clarity through my words. And Lord, I just give this to you. I give this morning to you. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read this book, but it's uh, called The Hiding Place, and it's by Corey Tenboom. Anyone ever read this book? Wow. Got a lot of people that have read this book. Amazing book. If you haven't read it, uh, it will rock your world. Uh, and this morning, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of intertwine this into, into this message because I believe that this really reveals a beautiful picture of kingdom family and, uh, and the heart of God and for this season. So I think there was a picture of Corey. Did we put her up already? I don't know. There she is. That's Corey in her later years. And she died in 1983. Uh, but... Uh, just a little bit, if you, if you haven't read this story and if you don't know the, the story of Corey Ten Boom, uh, she, was, uh, she was born in the 1800s, and then in 1939, she was uh, in her 50s, early 50s, and she, she was in Holland, and this was, this was the time that the, uh, the Germans had come in and, and to occupy Holland, and so you have the Nazis now, it's the beginning of World War I, and it's where the Jews are beginning to get persecuted. And so in her life, she grew up, uh, she had her sister Betsy and their family, and she actually never got married, neither did her sister. They lived with their family in Harlem, Holland, and they, they ran a watch shop, and, and they lived very poorly. They, they didn't have a lot, but they lived a life of always reaching out to those in need, uh, always meeting the needs of others. And it was a place that was known where people could come for refuge, where they could come if, if they needed assistance for anything. Their doors were always open. Corey would say that uh, there was never a point in time that they didn't have someone at their dinner table with them. There was always a guest at the dinner table. And on a daily basis, their father would read to them in, mo- in the morning and at night without, without a break, uh, read to them a a book, I'm sorry, not a book, but a chapter of the Bible. And this became really the foundation of their understanding of the Father. And, and it was not until later in life that they realized the importance of, of having this foundation. Uh, so in 1939, here with the start of this Jewish persecution, uh, what she did in her family is they began to take in the Jews. Uh, they began to, uh, uh, to help them uh, and, and 
and house them in secret uh, to protect them from being captured and, and taken to the concentration camps. And uh, in 1944, they were actually, their home was raided and, and they were taken away. She was, put in a, she was put in a prison and then put into a concentration camp in Holland and then moved eventually to a, a concentration camp in northern Germany uh, called Ravensbrück. And this was in this concentration camp, uh, she understood the heart of the father in an amazing way to the point where her and her sister, uh, and they're seeing the persecution, they're seeing people go off to the gas chamber and... Um, and in this, they began to dream, through the Father's love, they began to dream of a place where the, uh, the prison guards would be able to come. When, when they were released, God showed them that they were going to be released in 1945. And so they began to dream of this place that they were going to have that would actually bring in the prison guards to bring healing to them. That can only be done through the love of the Father. <laughs> Nothing else can do that. Um, she was actually released. Her sister actually died in the, in the concentration camp, and she was released by a crazy, crazy deal. It was a clerical error, and uh, they released her, and she found out later that it was through a clerical error that they released her. Well, um, it was about a week after that she was released uh, that all, a lot of those people that she was with were all brought to the, to the gas chamber, and they were killed. The awesome thing is that in that time when she was there, they had Bible studies every night, every day uh, with these women, and many of them came to know Jesus. And so I know they're up there with Corey Tinboom uh, living it up uh, thanks to her understanding of, of kingdom family, of gathering around, and of, of making a difference through the little things in life that turned out to be big things later on in life. So now you got the foundation of that. I want to, uh, the, found, the scripture that I want to read is uh, in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. And this, I believe, is just going to set the foundation for where we're going this morning. So if you have your Bibles, pull them out. You guys doing all right? Yeah. All right. I need some smiles here. We're going to, this is a little bit, this is, I don't know why, it's, it's, the messages always seem to be kind of heavy, but I, I want you guys to, we got to have some fun too, right? So um, we got to laugh a little bit. Last Sunday night, who was here last Sunday when uh, we just had a night of, like, there was just a, an outpouring of laughter? Did you guys enjoy that? That was cool. It was also really awkward for me because I don't, it, it is not in my nature to just sit here and laugh. And so God was stretching me a little bit as well as probably some of you. Uh, but it was a, it was a sweet night. Uh, all right, so this is the scripture, Ephesians 3.17, starting with the middle of it. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that's the key right there. And this is what Corey Tenboom was rooted and established in love. Out of this, that you may have power together, and then this is the second part to get, together with all the saints or with all God's holy people, and it only happens together to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge. And this is crazy when you think about it. It surpasses knowledge. It surpasses all understanding, all wisdom, anything that we could possibly understand about love. It surpasses all of that, the love of Christ. So when we begin to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ, it, is, it goes beyond our understanding. It goes beyond our, our intellect and our mental understanding. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. In other words, that you may be filled to overflowing above what you could possibly hold on to. And it's out of that overflowing, it's out of this overflowing of this love that we grasp, that we begin to understand, not through our intellect, uh, but it's, it's actually together that we begin to understand this as God's holy people. This is how the love is released into this place. And so this is the foundation of what we're going to be talking about. 
So in order to, to come into this place of kingdom family, the first key point that we need to understand, and let me just say, you guys have heard these concepts before, but I want you to begin to understand this in a deeper way. I want, I want it to go from here down to here this morning, okay? That's my heart's desire is that we, we don't only just understand it, but we actually begin to live it. Begin, we begin to walk this out. And so the first thing is understanding that we have to and that kingdom family only comes out of an intimacy with the Father. We have to have that intimacy with the Father before we have anything else. We have to know who our daddy is. And the only way we're going to know who our daddy is is if we spend time with him. Just like my wife and I, in order to get to know my wife, I actually have to spend time with her. And not like time in a big group setting where we're all hanging out, and she's on one side of the room and I'm on the other side of the room. We have to be, we have to have that heart connection. We have to have that intimate time together. And it's in those times that I begin to understand who she is and she begins to understand who I am. And in the same way, that's with the Father. It's in those intimate times that we begin to understand who the Father is and the Father begins to like, give us a download of who he is. In Genesis 3, we see this is the garden setting. You've got the garden uh, uh, and you've got Adam and Eve and the Father and the Father's walking in the, uh, God's walking in the coolness of the day. And, and what happens? This is the first strike of the enemy. And if you're an enemy, if you're in battle, if you're strategically planning an attack, a first assault, the first thing you want to do is you want to cut off the lifeline. If you can cut off a lifeline to the enemy, to your enemy in a military battle, eventually the enemy's going to go down. No matter how strong they are, if their lifeline's cut, they're going down. This is exactly what Satan did is he was able to come in and he attacked the relationship between the Father and mankind. Thank God for Jesus who restored that relationship. And so now we have this relationship with the Father, but we still need to operate in it. And so I'm going to step through just a few ways that we can begin to, uh, to operate and to begin to walk in this intimacy with the Father. And the first is the Word of God. And I know you guys know all this, but again, we're going to take it from here down to here. But understanding that the Word of God is our compass. This is our true north. And if we don't have an understanding of the Word of God, if we don't have the Word of God inside of us, just like Corey Tenboom did, where she, there were scriptures that were read over and over and over again. And I'm sure there were times where she's going, oh, really, Dad? Again? We have to hear it again? But it's going inside. It's getting on the inside of us. And when we begin to read these scriptures, when we have this deeper understanding and meditation of the scriptures in our heart, it begins to change things. It begins to set our true north. You look at Jesus in his life, and man, he did a great job of modeling this for us, of time with the Father, of even, of even the Word. I mean, he, from the time he was a little kid, spending time in the temple, reading the Word, he understood scriptures. He didn't just have this download of, of knowing all the scripture. He was a man. But he studied the scripture, and he knew it as he got older. He had the scripture inside of him. In the same way, we need to have the word of God on the inside of us. The enemy will always come with a counterfeit to the truth. Always. You look in life. You look at this world. The enemy always has a counterfeit to the truth. But when we have our true north, when we understand what our true north is, we can discern between the counterfeit and the real thing. When we don't have that true north, a lot of times we will get sucked in and fall for the counterfeit. You guys got that? Okay. That's good? All right. Do we need to do some jumping jacks? <laughs> okay. Second is worship. And again, this is another one. You guys hear it. You know it. But I just want to reiterate the importance of worship in our life. David was called a man. This is what God called him, a man after my own heart. 
And it wasn't because at a little, when he was a little baby, he said, oh, I like that guy. He's a man after my own heart. It was actually because of worship. It was through worship. David was a man that worshiped. He understood worship. He understood worship better than anyone else in that time. And he worshiped before the Lord day and night. And that's why he had a heart that was for the Father. That's why God said, that's a man after my heart. Because as we worship, actually, our hearts come into an alignment with the Father's heart. And we get it. We begin to get that. We get who the Father is. And we align with him through worship, through our spirits coming alive. We come into a place of worship with him. And we become people after God's own heart. Okay. Third one, prayer. Prayer is so important. And this is not the prayer of Jesus, bless, bless this food to our body in Jesus' name, or Jesus, help. <laughs> Those are a lot of times the two prayers that we have, right? <laughs> this, is, this is the communication. This is the dialogue. This is the ongoing. This is time, intimate time with the Father where we, we quiet everything else and we have that intimate time in prayer with the Father. This is where we also, we get the Father's heart. We get, a, we get the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, of an understanding of who the Father is. It comes through prayer. Corey Tenboom asks a great question. She has a quote that says, Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? And I'll ask you this morning Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Is it something that is actually, as you pray, directing you in where you're going in life? Or is it your 911 call when you're like, oh, dear Lord, help, <laughs> because I'm way off course. I'm way over here, and I know this isn't where I'm supposed to be. When we, when we spend that intimate time in prayer with the Father, he keeps us on course. And then we don't have those 911 calls for help. It goes from being your steering wheel or from being your spare tire to being the steering wheel. I want to, I'm going to share with you just an example in my own life. This was uh, back when I first got married. So it was a little over 14 years ago. And uh, when I got married to my wife, Christy, uh, I brought a lot of things into that marriage. A lot of things that you don't necessarily want to bring into a marriage. Uh, and one of those was an issue with anger. And, uh, and I, I can admit this 14 years later, but I don't know if I could admit it 14 years ago. <laughs> uh, but, but I had this idea, I think, in my head. I look back and I go, I think the anger was a way to try to control a situation. And I would, I would get so angry if things, like, weren't going the right way, or, and I would just kind of lash out. It was, it was a lack of self-control. I did not have self-control in this area. And when I was, was about six months into the marriage, and, and I don't know, for those of you who had, when you first got married, people say, oh, yeah, marriage is so great, and, like, there's this bliss. Well, first year of marriage was hell. <laughs> I mean, we didn't think we were going to make it. We really didn't. We, we had to go into counseling, and it was like, oh, dear Lord, is this going to last? <laughs> and, uh, and now, I mean... Marriage is amazing. I mean, I, my wife, I'm so blessed to have such an amazing wife. And I don't think it was, I'm sure she had a few problems, but it was, it was a lot of my issues that, that I had to deal with. And uh, but, so six months into it, we were having an argument. It was after a long day at work, and I'm at home. She's in the kitchen. And, and man, I am like, I can feel just the anger rising up in me. And I am so frustrated and so angry. And so I did have enough sense to say, I'm, I'm out. I got to go. I went into the back bedroom, uh, but I could tell I was just about to lose it. And, and, uh, and I think with my engineering mind, what I said was, okay, I have to hit something. I just got to hit something. But I don't want to hit something that, that's going to break because then I have to fix it. <laughs> and so, so I'm like, oh, I'm just going to punch the floor. And, uh, and I had a carpeted floor. And so Man, I just went up and as hard as I could, just bam, punched that floor. Not realizing or not remembering that right underneath that carpet was concrete. <laughs> and, 
And sure enough, I broke my hand <laughs> right then and there. And uh, it was called a boxer's break. And uh, so I had to go out and in humility let my wife know that, hey, by the way, I just broken my hand and I probably need to go to the doctor's. <laughs> and uh, so I had to go in and they put, a, they put a cast on my hand. Well, to top it all off, uh, two, it was uh, two or three days after that, uh, I had to fly out uh, to Oregon to help lead a men's conference with my dad. <laughs> so here I am with this, this cast now on my hand, and my dad's like, oh, this is going to be fun. You get to explain, like, why you have this cast on your hand. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> this is going to be a blast. So I had to come in, and this was the most humbling experience, is, is, sit, is I'm supposed to be, you know, kind of leading this conference with my dad, I got to come in and explain that I just punched a floor two or three days ago out of anger and now have a broken hand. And uh, so it was, it was a very humbling experience, to say the least. Uh, all that to say, as I was talking to my wife the other day, it's amazing as I have been, like, over these years, like, just spending time in the presence of the Father, getting into the Word, getting into worship, what it begins to do is this begins to change us from the inside out. And I look at my life now, and, and there's the same issues that come up, same kind of things that come up, but my response is completely different. I don't respond out of anger. I respond out of love. I respond out of joy. I respond out of peace. I respond out of the fruits of the Spirit. Now, let me just say, I'm not standing up here going, hey, guys, I got it all figured out. Man, I still screw up all the time. So let me just make that point clear. But there is a huge difference from where I was 14 years ago to where I am today. And that can only be done through the Father and an understanding of the Father. And as we begin to understand who the Father is, we begin to understand who we are. We're no longer orphans. We are sons and daughters of God. And in that, we begin to operate out of the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's a big one. And we begin to have that self-control because now, as we're created in the image of God, we begin to walk in it and basically as a reflection of the Father and walking in step with the Spirit. And these are the fruits that are then released. Now, there's still times where one of those ugly fruits props out. But, but I've seen in my life and in our life and in Christy's life as well, as we really come into that place of intimacy with the Father, that it actually changes us and who we are, and we are able to operate in a different way and respond in a different way. It's like when somebody comes up to you out of anger and, and spouts something off, or if you're on the road and uh, somebody pulls in front of you and cuts you off, what's your response? Is it the ugly fruit popping out? <laughs> or is it the fruit of the Spirit that's popping out? And sometimes you've got to push that ugly fruit back down and, and allow the fruits of the Spirit to come out, right? And I know we're all still working on, especially the, the issues that happen on the road. <laughs> so we'll, we'll pray for each other on that one, and uh, that'll be a, a good shift. Uh, let me just, I want to give you one other illustration here in walking with intimacy with the Father. We have a, we have a, English retriever, very similar to a golden retriever, except all white. It's a white dog, and great, great dog. We love this dog. But this dog lives for the lacrosse ball. If nothing, food too, I guess. Food and lacrosse ball. Like, those are, those are the two things. It's all that matters in life is, is I want my food, and I want you to throw the ball. And so we take this dog out to the park, and uh, we have a, I have a lacrosse stick. I played lacrosse in high school and college, and so... We'll, uh, we'll launch the, the lacrosse ball out. And you can throw this thing about 100 yards out. And so our dog is, is off in a full sprint going after that ball and brings it back. And we, we, can, play for, I mean, we can play for hours till literally the dog would probably drop dead because uh, <laughs> the dog just loves the ball. The dog loves going after the ball. But here's what happens. We have, we'll have the ball in, in the stick. And we'll get ready to throw it, and that dog is gone. It's already 30 yards out before we even throw the ball. And so we'll throw it. Now, if we throw it, 
right over the dog's head, Winston's head, it's fine because he'll see the ball and, and he'll go after it and grab it and bring it back. The problem is, is if we throw the ball over to the right or if we throw the ball over to the left, he just keeps on running straight. <laughs> and then eventually he'll turn around and look at us like, you going to throw the ball? <laughs> Where's the ball? And we're like, no, no, no. Ball's way over there. Ball's over there. And, you know, we don't want to go 100 yards out and try to get, to get the ball and try to find the ball. And so he'll start, like, looking, panicking at this point, going, where's the ball? Where's the ball? Ball, 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 ball. Looking. And his, I mean, this is, you know, dog's mind. I, I think it's very simple. They don't, like, think, hmm, I wonder where the ball went. They just go, ball, 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 ball. <laughs> and just kind of running around in a panic in this, like, where to, we're frantically looking for the ball. My point in all this is I believe in our lives we do something very similar where here's God, he's got the ball, and he goes, okay, I'm sending you out. I'm going to send you out. And he goes, and here we go. I'm going to send you, and boom, we're gone. We're running out there. God, I got it. I'm going to get this ball. <laughs> and we get out there. We go, God, where's the ball? Where is it? Like, you, you, I know you were going to take it this way. Where is it? And God's like, no, no, it's over here. Like, you have to stay close to me. You have to hear my voice. You have to wait until I release the ball, until I show you where this is going before you go out and do it. A lot of times, we get way ahead of God. And I just believe it's so important that we understand that we have to stay in this place of intimacy. I was talking to someone just, just yesterday or the day before. <laughs> the days are kind of commingling here. Um, but just the other day, uh, just about like hearing the voice of God and in this next phase of, of where to move and how to move into things. And, um, and I believe this is something I think is so important to understand. A lot of times what we do in life is we say, oh, God's going to open the door and that's the door that we're going to walk through. And God's going to close the other doors and so that's not the door we're going to walk through. So we're going to wait for the door to open, and then, God, that must be the door that we're walking through. And I'm just going to hit this one right up front. That's a cop-out. Just because a door is open does not mean that this is the Father's plan for your life. The enemy can open up a door just as easy as God can open up a door. The enemy can close a door just as easy as God can close a door. What we need to do is get into the presence, get into an, and, and have the, God's, God's heart in this and understanding of where we go. Just because a door is closed doesn't mean that's not the, that's, we don't go that direction. God can break a door down pretty easy, and he moves mountains, right? So, so for us to think that if a door is open, that's the direction we're supposed to go. Here's what I see. I see this happen all the time. I see people say, well, God opened this door, and that's the door we moved through. And I don't know what's going on now because everything is falling apart. Hell is breaking loose around us, and we just can't figure it out. Like, this was the door that God opened. And it's like, how do you know that God opened that door? Well, because the door opened. Well, that doesn't mean that God's in that, that God's opening the door for you. There's a lot of times where we have to walk in faith, and the door may be slammed shut, and we have to walk into that door. And as we walk into that door, that door breaks free. Because God's behind it, and God's the one that's going to take us through in the direction he's calling us to move. Does that make sense? I just, and so when I say, when somebody says, man, here goes, this door just opened up. That's where God's taken us. Be very careful. Get with God and know where he's taking you. And then here's the thing, is when you know that God's taking you in a certain direction. It doesn't matter if the door is open or closed. And it doesn't matter how hard it gets. You may walk through that door and all hell may break loose. But then you know that you know that you're in the, in the plan of the Father and he's going to take you through it. Because life isn't supposed to be easy. It's not always take the easy door. There's no easy button in this life if we're going to live true lives as Christians on this earth. It's not about the easy life on this earth. It's about following the heart of God and the things that he's calling us into. All right? Sorry, I, I kind of got a little off track. But that's important. <laughs> James 
Simplified says this, everything good comes from God. So if everything good comes from God, I want to challenge us that every morning, every day, we spend time in intimacy with the Father. If every good thing comes from God, then we need to spend time with God. We need to spend time in that place with him. All right. So intimacy with the Father. There's two points I want to make here. This is the second one, is relationship with others. And I'm going to talk about now, from a kingdom standpoint, understanding the relationship with others. But I want to start here with a video. And then I just accidentally just ran across this video. Well, not accidentally. I think it was, <laughs> there was a purpose for it. Uh, but it's a, it's a great video that really shows, uh, in simple terms, living a kingdom life. And it's actually an advertisement for a, a Canadian company, that, uh, a food company. So, uh, but it, they do a fantastic job of showing this. So if we can play this video now. Isn't this what the world needs now? Is a little love, sweet love. Not our love. And I'm not going to sing anymore, but, but the Father's love. And food, yes. Food always helps. Uh, you know, just like Corey was saying, in, that, you know, she, they always had someone at the dinner table with them. They were always loving other people and bringing other people. And it was, it was having kingdom family. It was having people around Here's the thing that I believe, this is what happens. A healthy family starts in the home. We have to have that health. If, if things break up in the home, it destroys, it kind of rip, uh, ripples out and can affect everything. But I think what we tend to think is that, well, in order to do that, like, we need to focus on our family. We need to focus on the things in the home. And so we focus on the kids' sports. We focus on school. We focus on just doing the things as a, as a family. And what happens is we become isolated. And this is not the way God intended us to live. He intended us to live 
as a bigger family. You know, when we realize that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, right? We all have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So if we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. It says, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. But we are all part of the body of Christ. And when we begin to really understand this, that, that this is who we are, we're, all, we're in a sense one organism. There's a, there is an organism uh, which is actually a grove of aspen trees in Utah. And there's, there's actually, right now, I think there's about 40,000 trees that are together. This organism of, of trees, it's called Plano or Plano or something like that. Uh, but it is it's something that scientists say it's actually been around for about 80,000 years. Now there's been fires that have come through and burned up all the trees. But the root system, this root system has actually been around for 80,000 years, according to scientists now. From a biblical perspective, you know, that may not be quite accurate, but, uh, but a long time. We'll just say a long time. Uh, in the same way, you look at this organism that's a massive organism. <laughs> I hate to call us an organism, but, but the body of Christ is one big organism. It's one big family unit. And in this season... I believe this is where we need to understand how to operate as a family, how we need to come in to family, not just isolated with our earthly family, but with our kingdom family, that we would actually lay down our lives for each other, that we would help each other out, as, and that we would actually go from being selfish in a way to being selfless, to putting each other first in our lives. Now, what that means is, is building relationships with others. But no one really, no one wants a relationship where you have like that, that needy person that's just kind of like sucking life out of you all the time. <laughs> what we need to have is healthy relationships where there may be times where, where you do need to help someone. But a lot of times what happens is it's that, that person that all of a sudden is like in that situation where now they are struggling, they're in that place, they don't have family, and so now they're trying to come into family. Now they're trying to get family. And hey, better late than never. But if we can set this up up front, if we can begin to, to build family, this, this network of people that, that we can love, that we can support, that we can come into community with, then as we go through struggles, the struggles aren't nearly as difficult as they would be if we were isolated, if we're just, if we're by ourselves in these times. You know, I look at and this, this happens a lot in, in marriage. And I've seen God do amazing things and restore things as well. But I've also seen where, where it gets so bad. There's, there's an isolation in the family, and they don't even realize it. And they're going along, and they're, they're moving as their family unit, their small family unit, but, they're, but there's no community. There's no one speaking into their life. The other believers that can say, hey, man, you're kind of going down the wrong path right now. Let's pray through this. Let me, let me help you out here. Because we're all, trying to, we're all trying to live a Facebook life, right? You guys know what a Facebook life is? It's everyone has the perfect life. <laughs> you, you, put, you post everything up there of all the good things that are going on. But I guarantee you don't post, oh, man, my wife and I are in the middle of this massive fight and uh, this is going on and, oh, it's horrible right now. <laughs> Those things kind of stay quiet, and all the good things get posted up, and then everybody goes, man, everybody else has a great life. What is wrong with us? Well, like it or not, we all have issues, every single one of us. And I believe in this season, we, be, we need to begin to open up. We need to become real with each other. It's no longer putting on this facade, this, this thing. Even, you know, we walk into church and we say, you know, we've got our best clothes on here, and, and life is good, and we walk around, and we uh, give high fives and say, you know, how good life is, and then we go home, and we're yelling and screaming at our kids and, and at our wife, and, like, things are going on, and there's stress in our lives. We need to begin to operate in a different manner. We need to begin to operate as a kingdom family that comes together, that supports each other, that comes alongside each other, and it requires a sense of vulnerability as well. As simple as just that mother and that daughter being the ones to actually bring a table out into the, into the hallway there, 
and say, we're going to do this. We're going to do this as family. And then people began to come, along, come alongside of them. But they had to be the vulnerable ones. And a lot of times we have to be the vulnerable ones. We need to invite people into our homes. <laughs> and this is an area, Christy and I were talking about it. Uh, we don't do this very well. Uh, and a lot of times it's like, man, our, we've got three kids. Everything's a disaster. And you guys know how it is. Man, when you're having, you have people over to the house, and it's like you look around and you go, ah, quick, clean up this, clean up that. You're like scrambling to get everything cleaned up so that when the people come over, it's like, oh, look, this is how we live our life. <laughs> our house is completely clean. Everything's calm. We <laughs> and this is not how we live life. And so it's good to clean up. There's nothing wrong with cleaning up. But a lot of times it's like, man, we can't have people over to the house. It's going to require that we clean up. We've got to do all these things. We've got to get past this facade of saying like, that we live this perfect life. And we've got to get real with each other. This is what the world is looking for. The world is not looking for the counterfeit of the Facebook type of life where we all live these perfect lives. The, the world is looking for us to be real with each other. The, look, the world is looking for people that care for each other, that will reach out. It doesn't matter what your house is like, that you'll invite somebody in your house, that you'll just you'll pray over them, you'll, you'll give them a meal, uh, you'll share life with them. You'll just open up the word, invite people over and say, hey, let's just read the word together. Let's just pray together. Let's be real with each other. Are there things going, going on in your life that I can pray for you for? Here, man, this is what's going on in my life. A lot of times we're always like, well, let me pray for you. Well, a lot of times it's being vulnerable. And as, as we open up, as we share the things in our lives, as we get real, it allows other people to get real as well. But I guarantee you that this is what is drawing people. This is what's drawing people together is they want, they want to experience something deeper than this, this kind of surface-level relationship. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates themselves seeks his own desire. They break out against all sound judgment. We got to stop isolating, and we got to become a kingdom family together. I want to use just a quick analogy here of, of you have a vehicle. Every, I think everyone has a, some kind of a vehicle, car, truck, something, so you should all get this. But when you drive around... How many of you say, well, I'm going to wait till my gas tank is empty before I fill up? Okay, we've got a few. <laughs> Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being honest. <laughs> How many of you continue to do that over and over and over again? Okay, we've got, well, we still have a few. <laughs> Let me say, that's probably not the best way to do it. It's not, it's not a good idea to say, well, I'm going to wait till my gas tank runs out. Then I know I'm empty, and then we'll go fill up. You got to get out of the car, get a few people to come alongside, and push the vehicle to the next gas station. Typically, we want to fill up on gas beforehand. We want to keep our tank full, right? In the same way, this is, the, this is kingdom relationships. Is we, need to begin, we need to have these. We can't wait till our gas tank goes empty and we're, we're drained, and now we're like, oh, no, I need these relationships in my life. And now we're pushing the vehicle to the next gas station to try to find relationships in life. And here's the thing. Just like when you're driving around, we get so busy, we get so caught up in the things of life as well that actually, it can actually prevent us from having these kingdom relationships. There are so many things going on, and I don't think it's coincidence that we're busy. I believe the enemy is looking for, the enemy can create a lot of great things, a lot of good things in life that get us so busy that we actually don't have time for real community to get into relationships. So a lot of times what we have to do is we have to look at the things in our life and cut out some of the things that may be good because there's a difference than good and God. Isn't there a book, Good or God? <laughs> we, need to, we need to go after the God things. And as we go after the God things, it will leave time for relationships in life. It will leave time for those kingdom relationships that we need to build.
Uh, I want to show you. There's a picture I have here. Got about five more minutes here if you guys have it. time here. Uh, this was so cool. God, this was Sunday night. This was last Sunday night. And unfortunately, I missed. We didn't get a picture of right before that. But God showed me something that was so cool. And we had everybody up, and they had their... Uh, God was just moving. There was, there was just a move of God in this, in this time. For those of you who were here last Sunday night, I know you got to experience it. And, uh, but something happened where I was looking out, and God said, this is kingdom family. And what I saw is right before this, everybody had their hands on someone else. They had a hand here and a hand here. And I saw this network, and it was, almost, it was like a web of people connected and it was just an amazing, like, just picture of, I believe, what God is looking for as this phase that we're moving into of kingdom family, where we are all connected. It's not like in, in a linear line where we're all, like, hand in hand like this, but there's this network. There's this connection. It was, I don't know if you guys can kind of picture that, but it was, that was the thing God just said, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want to see. So that's my prayer, is that we begin to operate as a kingdom family together. Heidi Baker says, short statement that actually I quoted, I think, two weeks ago in, in the weekly advance. It says, it's not complicated. Just love the one in front of you. Guys, it's not complicated. It's really not that complicated. We just have to love the one in front of us. Let me just briefly touch on this. This is the other side of it. Is there's, a, there's a landmine here that is, is important that we understand so that we don't step into it. And this is a, offenses. Pride breeds entitlement, which leads to offenses. And I believe that this is a cancer for kingdom family. And so it's just an awareness and, and understanding that we have to be very careful that we do not walk in a sense of entitlement. A lot of times we sit here and say, I deserve this, or I deserve that, or you, they owe me this. That's, they owe me this thing. And we have this sense of that they, <laughs> you may be driving on the road, and, uh, and some guy cuts you off, and it's like, oh, man, what, who does he think he is? Or you're trying to get off, and it's like, why aren't you opening, why aren't you letting me in? And you've got this sense of entitlement. You may come home and be like, man, I just, I just need some peace and quiet at home right now. I've been working all day. I deserve this. I deserve some peace and quiet. I deserve the house clean when I come home. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, I want the kids quiet. I want their rooms clean. I want dinner ready. Uh, you know, whatever it is, there's this sense of entitlement that we have. And maybe it, it's your job where you're like, man, my boss should know what I'm doing. And I deserve this raise. And, and we can justify these things. We can justify all these things that we believe that we deserve. But here's the thing. If we could wake up in the morning and say, there are no expectations. There is nothing that I feel like I deserve or that I am owed. It would change everything in our life. We would have such a sense of joy, of thankfulness. When we receive something, it's not, well, it's about time. It's, oh, wow. Thank you so much. Like, there is no entitlement. There's no saying that I deserve that or I need that. It's like, hey, thank you for doing that. Oh, you're such a blessing. Thank you so much. When you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, hey, thanks for coming in front of me. I'm glad I could open up that, that spot for you. <laughs> so I just want to touch on this. I think it's, it's so important uh, and this only comes out, this doesn't come out of like, okay, guys, like we have to watch this. We got we to gotta make sure that we have no offenses. As we get in step with the Father, as we get in that, that heart connection with the Father, we will begin to, to release these entitlements, these things that we have, and it will release the offenses in the church. And when we get rid of these offenses in the church, this is what's going to bring us into a kingdom, kingdom family. Let me finish here in closing. If I could bring just the worship team up, I want to I read John 17. A few weeks ago, we talked about John 13, 
where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and how we need to wash the feet of others and how we also need to be washed by the feet of Jesus. This scripture here is the final prayer before Jesus went to the cross. And then it's actually the longest recorded prayer. And it's in the book of John, which of course it is because John understood the Father's heart. He understood the heart of Jesus. And so in this, he prays. And first of all, he prays directly to the Father. Secondly, he prays to the, uh, for the disciples. And then in the last part, he actually prays for us as the believers. And this is what I want to read to you. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. You see that part right there? That all of them may be one. This is the final prayer that Jesus has to the Father for us before he goes to the cross. Goes on to say, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. This is so important to begin to get this, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, may they be brought into complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It is only out of understanding this complete unity, this family, kingdom family, that this is what releases an understanding of the love of the Father to others. It says it right here, that we may be brought into complete unity so that we may let the world know that Jesus was sent into this earth to save the lost, to save the dying. It's going to come out of that unity. I believe we're moving into a season where God, this is calling this a reformation. It's not a revival. Leif talked about it. It's a kingdom reformation. It's actually a change in the cultural fabric of who we are. And I believe this is the final reformation. We're going to see the family of God come together as one. God's going to release something on this earth. And this is the final phase. We're living, I believe, in the last days. We don't know how long these last days are going to last. But I want us as a church, as a body, to begin to get this concept and begin to operate in this, get it from here and get it into here and begin to move into this. Let me just finish with one just quick story here that really says it all. This is Corey Ten Boom. This is about 1943, right before she was taken off to, to prison and to the, to the concentration camps. And they were, in this time, trying to protect the Jews. And they, they came across this woman who had just had a baby. And the baby was premature. Uh, they were Jewish, and they knew they were in trouble, and they took him in. And there was a pastor that came up to the door uh, there would be people that would come up to the door all the time. And, and this was the conversation she had with the pastor. He said, would you be willing to take a Jewish mother and her baby into your home? This was the question she asked to the pastor. They will almost certainly be arrested otherwise. Color drained from the man's face. He took a step back from me. Miss Tenboom? I hope you're not involved with any of this illegal concealment or undercover business. It's just not safe. Think of your father and your sister. She's never been strong. On impulse, I told the pastor to wait and ran upstairs. Betsy, her sister, had put the newcomers in the Willem's old room, the farthest room from, uh, from windows on the street. I asked the mother's permission to borrow the infant. The little thing weighed hardly anything in my arms. Back at the dining room, I pulled back the coverlet from the baby's face. There was a long silence. And the man bent forward, his hand, in spite of himself, reaching for the tiny fist curled around the blanket. 
For a moment, I saw compassion and fear struggle in his face. Then he straightened. No, definitely not. We could lose our lives for that Jewish child. Unseen by either of us, father had appeared in the doorway. Give the child to me, Corey. Father held the baby close. His face with eyes as blue and innocent as the baby's own. At last, he looked up at the pastor. You say we could lose our lives for this child. I would consider that the greatest honor that could come to my family. Lord, I pray that in this season, Lord, we begin to understand what it means to live as kingdom family, what it means to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters, that we would do whatever it takes, that we would come out of this place of isolation, this place of of self-preservation, knowing who we are as sons and daughters of the King, that we would be willing to lay everything down. Lord, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand this in a deeper way. Lord, that we would truly begin to get it, that we would get it on the inside of us, Lord, that as we spend our, that time with you, that time of intimacy with you, where it says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Lord, it's only with you, Lord, where goodness is released. It's only in those times of intimacy with you that we begin to understand who we are and whose we are. Lord, as it says in Ephesians 3.17, Lord, I pray that we would be rooted, that we would be established in your love. Father, that we would have the power together with all of those who are believers, all of those who know you together to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. That we would know this, this love that goes beyond our own understanding, that goes beyond our own intellect, that we would know it in our hearts. God, that you would fill us to a measure of fullness that overflows to others. God, it is only through receiving your love that we can begin to impact those around us, that we can break chains, that we can bring hope, This is what the world desires. Lord, I thank you that as it says, where two or more are gathered, there you are in the midst. Lord, I thank you that as we gather together, as we become this unit, this body, this body of Christ that will do anything for each other, that understands your heart, Lord, I thank you that you're going to begin to impact the people around us. This is going to draw others into the kingdom. It's not through giving them tracts or or, or pounding them with Jesus. It's through the love of Jesus. It's through your goodness that draws people to repentance, Lord. So, Father, break our hearts, Lord, for what breaks yours in this season. Let us have your heart. Let us come into an alignment with your heart and let us walk in step with your spirit. Lord, I thank you for everyone here. Lord, I pray your blessing over them today. Lord, I pray that we would go out, that we would reach out, that we would open our doors to others, that we wouldn't try to live the facade, the Facebook life, but we would live real lives with each other, that we would come into community with each other, that we would share life with each other. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for that we have this opportunity. And we're going to struggle. There's going to be times where we struggle through things. Lord, I thank you that we have people to gather around us, to come alongside us.
But Lord, I thank you that, that our lives, in our lives, Lord, we go from living selfish lives to living selfless lives. That's what you've called us to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I've done it again. <laughs> We've gone a little over. I'm so sorry. We're going to have ministry teams up front here. If we could get the ministry teams up front. I love you guys. We're just going to have some worship. But you can just come up. Please don't leave these doors. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you, take that step this morning. There's going to be, there's people up here that will pray with you, that will just lead you in that prayer. And it's, it's, it's a heart change. It's a heart thing just to say, God, I'm just going to release what I have and give it to you. I'm going to step into a new place, understanding that you are my Lord and Savior. So go with him. Have an awesome day. Father, I just pray your blessing again over everyone here. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.